Hey guys, it's Ollie from Rad Season. Welcome to the Rad Season Show. I'm super excited to be joined today by entrepreneur, best-selling author, and the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, David Meltzer. David, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. These are some of my favorite topics, and I could not deny the opportunity to speak and teach and inspire anyone that's interested in entrepreneurship or sports marketing or any type of inspired thought. Nice. And um, whereabouts are you at the moment? I'm in my closet uh, here in Orange County, California. (laughs) I found a new use of my closet through COVID. So uh, I have a multi-purpose closet that can utilize multiple functions in my life. And I really enjoy uh, being in my closet. (laughs) (laughs) Nice one. Uh, Well, I guess I'd love to jump straight into it. Um, So you you were studying law um, at college and I guess one of like one of your nicknames I've heard was Money Money, and I just wanted to kind of ask you about that. Like, what was the obsession with wealth generation like back then? Sort of, if you like looking I, back, you know what? Years. I grew up poor. I had a single mom with six kids. She packed my dinner in a paper bag, worked two jobs, and I was obsessed with buying my mom a house and a car. I just wanted to make a lot of money so I could help her. In fact, I got the nickname in college. Before I went to law school, I played college football and I scored my first touchdown and I flipped the ball to my defensive coordinator and I told him, money, money. And uh, he tortured me for four years after that uh, for being a cocky uh, freshman and he, he never let up on me. We're very close friends today. He became an NFL coach. He became a, a CFL coach, but he still calls me money, money. And all my friends called me money, money. That's so funny. And what did you do? So, like after after college, like did did you kind of go into law, like from what you were studying, or well, because I wanted to be rich, I purposely went to a law school that had the top maritime law program, which was oil and gas litigation. So, working for big oil companies because you make big money. But I also, because I wanted to make a lot of money, kept my options open, and I ended up getting a sales job offer for $250,000 a year at comp selling legal research on the internet in 1992. So the internet was a lot different in 1992. There was no stream yard, uh, trust me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, my mom actually told me not to take the internet job. Uh, she said the internet was a fad. That's how early in 1992 the internet was. She thought it was a fad. It would never last. But nine months out of law school, I was a millionaire uh, three years after that, we sold the company for $3.4 billion with a B uh, in 1995. There wasn't a lot of billion-dollar companies. Uh, I then went up to the Silicon Valley, found my superpower of raising money in technology. I was in the middleware space as a director. And then by the time I was 30, I was a multimillionaire uh, running Samsung's first phone division, a convergence device division, which later became smartphones. It was a Windows, a Microsoft Windows device, a Windows C mm-hmm. device. So I bit my teeth into finance. I bit my teeth into Silicon Valley uh, business itself and technology and phone business. Uh, and that's what attracted Lee Steinberg, the most notable sports agent, to hire me as his CEO uh, which is where I met Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback. And the last 13 years, I spun off a global sports marketing company that brings all the biggest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, billionaires, millionaires, and entrepreneurs to the biggest sporting and entertainment events to help a lot of people. We raise a lot of money, make a lot of money, and have a lot of fun. Nice. 
And with with sales, was that something that you were kind of keen on even as a kid? We were sort of yeah, so like hustling and kind of you know like doing doing sort of side side gigs and things like that. Yeah, all the time. I was trying to make money however I could. I actually Christmas caroled one time, and my strategy was I had such a bad voice that people would give me money to leave. Uh, I I thought of every single way to make money that I could, (laughs) flipping anything I could, selling candy. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get too too deep into my desperation in my young years, but let's just say I could not only sell, but I oversold, back end sold, lied, manipulated, and cheated as well in order to make money. <laughs> and and when you when you got the opportunity to 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 join uh, Steinberg, was that kind of your first introduction into working in in sports marketing, or had you done anything kind of? before it. i mean like you, you, you were playing football right and yeah, yeah. You, know, you obviously great. had a passion for it and passion for sports but here's what i teach people because sports to me was always a backdrop uh so it wasn't a business you know i always kind of laughed at people i had uh traveled and went to every major league stadium for baseball before i went to law school and i really got a feel for what made money in sports remember i'm money money so the money of sports is what I love beyond just playing, but I knew the money of sports was different in playing. So why and how I teach people to get involved in sports is through skills, knowledge, and desire. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to develop and be the best at what I could skills-wise, knowledge-wise of not just what I needed to know, but who I needed to know. And then to have the desire, which believe it or not, desire, I, I, as you know, I have you know top shows, top podcasts, and I surrounded myself with billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers, the biggest in the world. My new show has Cameron Diaz, Saad Guru, and Tillman Fertitta on it. I mean, it, Apollo Ono, Danica Patrick, you know, everybody's on it. But what I found out the common denominator of all those people wasn't their skills and their knowledge. It was their desire. They all must be what they can be. And so understanding that, what allowed me to get hired by Steinberg and why he instant 48 hours after meeting me, he offered me the job It is for two reasons. One, I had been a customer. So as a customer, I had always paid for appearances, speaking engagements, licenses, signings, speeches. When you were at Samsung or when I was at Samsung. Right. So I was a a big customer. We sponsored world cup, you know, so I, I, I knew that side of it. I had a law degree, so I had certain knowledge from my law degree, but I also, right, I had a technology background, and Lee was a visionary. He saw the future of sports so intertwined with technology that he could not find someone that had a law degree, sports business experience, either as a customer or a salesperson, Mm -hmm. and understood technology. So he always said it was a blessing that he met me. I was the perfect combination uh, you know, kind of like a five-tool baseball player, like a Mike Trout. Uh, I was a Mike Trout of sports executives as far as Lee Steinberg was concerned. And how is it working there? I mean, that, that was sort of like in your, in your late 20s, right? So early 30s. Yeah, early 30s. Um, and, you know, for me, it was uh, learning that business, learning even me. I romanticized being, you know, the head of the most notable sports agency in the world. For goodness sake, they made the movie Jerry Maguire about my firm. There was nobody more notable than Lee Steinberg in our firm. But what I learned was it's not what I wanted to do. And I want to do what Warren wanted to do, which was make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I didn't care about cele- cele- I didn't care about celebrity. 
I cared about being a celebrant. I wanted the capability of celebrating people, of raising money for charity, of elevating people. And it was much more easy to do in marketing than it was in representation, which was more legal in nature. It was more labor law intensive, mm-hmm. antitrust intensive, you know, re- really not a lot of fun, even though the movie made it seem very romantic and fun. Sports marketing is romantic and fun. You get to bring the richest people to the best places on earth raise money for charity and make money for yourself and have a great time all in one. I can't think of a better job. And like, would you say that you were kind of then like going down this path that you weren't really happy with, you know, like you, you just didn't feel that comfortable with it. And you kind of, I, I guess if you're surrounded by all of this, it kind of like engrosses you, right? It was, it was too, it was so limiting in the money, right? You're limited to 3% to represent this person, 4%. It was almost the reason I didn't go into law was I didn't want to be paid for my time. And so I hate being limited. I'm an abundant person. I believe in limitlessness and infinity as every entrepreneur should. So I think I was too entrepreneurial uh, to be a high paid babysitter and I wasn't into celebrity. So, you know, saying that I represented Patrick Holmes or Vander Holyfield or Troy Aikman or whoever it was, that meant nothing to me. Right. I'd rather be their friends and pay them, pay them to do stuff. And instead of taking a percentage of what they made. Uh, so uh, I found a much better opportunity working with Warren Moon. And then what's cool is through running the most notable sports agency and one of the most notable sports marketing companies, I took all the skills, knowledge and desire and put it towards my own brand. All the things that I learned. So over the last four years, I've built my own brand over, you know, four bestsellers, speaking around the world, podcasts, TV shows, movies, all the things that I did in the past for other people. I now have been able to elevate myself, celebrate myself by helping others and building my own brand and having even a greater impact in what I do. Uh, I was going to jump on that later, but now that you brought it up, I mean, how, how do you find, how do you prioritize? So with all the things you've got going on, the shows, the podcasts, like I've, like I've, I've um, sort of produced and I run a TV show. I do the podcast, the website, you know, and that's probably only a fraction of, of, of sort of what you're like, you know, the speaking engagements, everything else that you're doing. How do you, how do you split your day or how, how do you actually manage, manage all that? Is it the team that you bring on that helps with all that? And- well, you have to bring the team under the auspice of having five daily practices. So I know I have my email posted up there and at the end we'll tell people to email me, david at dmeltzer.com. But I have five daily practices that allow me to be productive, meaning provide the most value, accessible, mm-hmm. accessible to most people and access what I want, which means to me making a lot of money. Uh, and uh, also being grateful, the ability yeah. to find the light, the love and the lesson. So the daily practices are one, I take inventory of what I want every day, not once a week, not once a year. Every day I ask myself, what do I want today personally, experientially giving and receiving wise? Then I ask myself, who can I help with what I want and who can help me? Then I uh, ask myself, how best can I get it done 
with the efficient, effective, and statistically successful activities that I have planned, don't have planned, and my sleep. Also delegating activity I get paid for versus activity I don't get paid for because Mm -hmm. a lot of people get so busy working, they forget to make money. I'm very concise about activity I get paid for. I want to maximize that. Man, if I can figure out how to make money when I'm sleeping, I do it. That's fine. But then once you know your what, your who, and your how, you now can prioritize by what's important to you. And because you're seeking who can I help and who can help me, you're creating the people that sit in the situation that you want to be in or have the best skills, knowledge, and desire to align with or be synergistic or supplementary to what you want, who can help you, and how you're going to get it done. You now know what to do at all times which creates even more efficiencies, more effectiveness, and more statistical success. Why? Because if you know your what, your who, your how, and your now, you can apply your why. You're not looking for what's missing, what other people want, or what you don't have. You're just applying your why to what you want, who can help you, and how you're going to get it done. And you are prioritizing by what's most important, most valuable to you. This system allows me to literally create what I can't even imagine, the productivity of, I, I call it, uh, 64 hours of productivity. Uh, it's the power of 64. What I've done is taken a normal eight hour day, five days a week, 40 hours. And I've turned it into being twice as efficient with my time. I work, uh, sorry, I've activity get paid for, for 16, not eight hours, twice as efficient, 32, twice as statistically successful, 64, seven days a week. So there's eight hours of productivity I have every day, seven days a week, That's 56 days of productivity when everyone else is getting five days of of productivity. I beat people with math. I have 11 extra days of productivity over most people. Nice. And has that sort of been built up? I mean, there's been some strong lessons learned, right? I mean, um, probably most notably losing like with the 100 100 million million. and, you know, um, um, like from, from looking at that, um, and that was almost sort of like, I've, I've heard you say that that, that came as, as a bit of a, a, a relief that, you know, you were kind of going down, down this route and this, this lifestyle. And then that kind of, I guess, made you focus in inside, look at your health, look at your family and yeah, so switch I, things up a bit. Right. Yeah. And I think that I wasn't applying my why I, I was always someone that utilized the 64 hours of productivity. I knew I could beat people with time and math. Uh, but it was a journey of an energetic and perspective journey of how to apply my why, not search for what other people want for me, what's missing, what I don't want. Understanding pain's an indicator, you know, not punishment, not a stop sign. Uh, it indicates that I have a lesson to learn. And I had some lessons to learn. I had to go from a world of not enough growing up broke where I was a victim. Everything happened to me. I then entered that world where I was unhappy buying things I didn't want to you know, impress people I didn't even like. Uh, and then I learned about faith. You know, I always knew about the currency of money. You know, money's a currency. It's an object of energy that you put into the flow. I believed you could buy love and happiness. Then I learned that you couldn't buy love and happiness, but it allowed you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, that you'd be happy. But I've even taken it a step farther, not in the world of to me or for me, but into this abundant world after I lost everything, of a world through me, where money not only is a currency, but faith is a currency, 
where you put it into the flow to get what you want, not what you don't want, not what's missing, not what you other people want for you. But faith and currency combined not only allow you to shop, not only allow you to shop for the right things, but it allows you to apply your why in a shop for the right things for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, things come much more rapidly and accurately. So my relationship with money, my relationship with faith have reconciled themselves into allowing me to live in a world of more than enough, where in a world of more than enough, there's more than enough of everything for everyone. You receive first and then appreciate it, meaning you add value to what you receive. Then you acknowledge what you have by giving it away. So the only way you acquire the knowledge of what you have is to give it away. So I receive in an abundant perspective. I add value through gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. I acknowledge that by giving it away. I now have expanded, accelerated, and grown. I've compounded the interest of what I want, and I've canceled out what other people want for me, what I don't want, and what's missing. Yeah. Nice. Um, there's a lot of insight in there <laughs> for people to digest. Um, I mean, like now I looking... 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Now looking at um, you know what's been happening in the last couple of years um, with the pandemic, uh, what's been your the, like, I, I guess the biggest lesson that you've learned from yeah. from, so from that time? It's still ignorant humility. Radical humility is the biggest lesson that I've learned. That you know, just when I think I know everything and my brand is huge and the TV shows are doing well, the podcast and the books and the speaking and the business, you know, this pandemic hits. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting at home with my four kids, my wife, even my niece moved in uh, because she was by herself in Los Angeles. And I sat there at dinner and I thought to myself, I am at the pinnacle of my life. This may be one of the most fulfilling, purposeful things that I get to do in my entire life, sitting here so blessed. I got to stop taking for granted what other people are wishing for or even for what I wish for. And I will tell you the biggest lesson that I learned is, you know, I even recently got offered uh, sideline passes to the Super Bowl. And I thought to myself, I'd rather sit at home with my family having dinner than be on the sidelines at the Super Bowl. I'm not going to take for granted what I really want, what I really wish for and what other people wish for. And that lesson was the reminder, the recollection and the remembrance of who I am, what's important to me. And now I consistently ask myself, are you taking for granted what you want, what you're wishing for, or even worse, what other people are wishing for? And through the pandemic became very obvious, even the blessing of breath. How many millions of people today are suffering with COVID, dreaming about being able to breathe? And uh, I want everyone out there, if they're going to take away anything, is to share that perspective. Don't take for granted what other people are wishing for. You can have everything you want. Live in the world of more than enough. Everything's there for you. You just have to understand you are already happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Just figure out what you're doing to interfere with it. You don't have to go get it. Yeah. Nice one. And what, what have you got coming up? Like, like what's, uh, what, what projects sort of, I mean... Uh, after like, you know, obviously hanging out with the family and yeah, know. no, super excited. So, you know, I, uh, we, uh, I'm executive producer of entrepreneurs elevator pitch. They're in season seven. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, host that show anymore. Uh, I moved to my own show, two minute drill, which just finished season two. We're filming season three, but the biggest thing I have going on besides 
Uh, I got a new studio and office at the SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, the Rams and the Chargers Stadium. I have a new studio with Blue Wire in the lobby of the wind. Come on by, walk on by. It's probably the most beautiful podcast studio in the world. But I have a TV show, the very first nighttime entrepreneur show on Bloomberg, on Amazon Prime Video. It has the biggest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, millionaires, and billionaires. And we aren't talking about racing with Danica Patrick or movies with Cameron Diaz. We are talking about business with Saad Guru. We're talking about business with Rob Deerdeck. We're talking about, you know, unbelievable superstars giving us how they apply their desire to business. And it's the most inspiring and educational program I've ever done. It launches on October 15th on Bloomberg and Amazon. Check out Office Hours with David Meltzer and anything else you need. You want an ebook, audiobook, you want me to sign a book, you want me to send it to you, pay for shipping, you want anything, these five to thrive, the power of 64, whatever you want, it's free. I will pay for it. David at dmeltzer.com or Google David Meltzer, David at dmeltzer.com. Ollie, man, I appreciate you so much for having me and let's do this again. David, thanks a lot for your time. We'll, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on the show. And yeah, good luck with everything. Yeah, luck is the mathematical equation of what you pay attention to and what you give intention to will equal the coincidences in your life. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds, Ollie. I know you are. Be happy, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Ciao. Right, take care.